This podcast contains mature content and listener discretion is advised. Also, be advised, we are not medical professionals and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Running through the streets, solving all the mysteries, crushes and aliens, lots of other crazy things Welcome to Mystery Team Inc. I'm Kayla. And I'm Maggie. And it's a new year. I forgot how to do this. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I how walked in here podcast? without you and the first thing I said was, was that window always like that? <laughs> and I don't believe that it wasn't. Even though we've been told explicitly that it yeah, was. Yeah, but when I asked him, he was like, uh, what? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't believe you, Andrew. <laughs> I don't remember how to do a podcast. It's fine. Here, since it's the new year, I'm not going to ask you what your resolutions are. Yeah. But I feel like there are two things that we should do. Okay. The first is like, what vibes are we? What's the vibe? Manifesting. (laughs) No, we don't manifest anymore. What's the vibe for 2023? (laughs) And the second is, what are we not bringing with us? Oh, I like that. You know? Yeah. What's the vibe? For me, the vibe is like a... White man in his six like late sixties who moved to Belize uh-huh. and like runs a bar out of an airstream on the beach, mm-hmm. but has like really engaged with the culture. But it's like that vibe mm-hmm. where he just is like everything's cool, but he like cares about the things that are important. Mm-hmm. But he understands like like ecosystems what to let go. Right, that's my vibe. I love that. Thank you. It's yours. Um, I don't have like as colorful of an image. <laughs> But I think my vibe is acceptance because that's something I struggle with. I think my vibe is acceptance and connection. Like those are things that I want to like work on this year and want more of. I love that. Yeah. And what are we leaving behind? Um, Just whatever the opposite of that is. (laughs) Like trying to keep everything from changing all the time, even though change is like the nature of the universe and literally isolation. Oh. Because I, I feel isolation. like, well, I feel like, okay, there's healthy isolation. Like, oh, no, I don't time do a yourself. good version of it. <laughs> but the past two years, three years, however long we've been in this pandemic, like, it's just been very isolating. Yeah. And I have not, like, relearned how to, like, reach out to my friends and, like, connect with people. I know. It's Especially hard. when I'm working from home. So. Great. I love that. Great. Welcome back. Welcome back. That's all the business I have. I just good business. I'm Wait, did you say like... what you're leaving behind? Oh, <laughs> mm, I think I'm gonna leave behind um, passiveness, passivity. Yeah, what is it? What's mm-hmm. the noun version? I stood up for Passion. myself <laughs> recently. Passion. <laughs> yeah, I stood up for myself recently, and I like have never felt more like a superhero. Yeah. So I think I'm going to try to do that more, even though immediately after I was like, how dare you ask for what you need, you idiot. This is a common thing, I think. And I think we could all do that. We should all try leaving passivity behind. Yeah. And ask for what we need. Just fight the good fight Mm -hmm. over petty things that like (laughs) kind of matter. Yeah. All right. That's so funny. I feel like I'm becoming... Like, less uh, aggressive. Like, I'm like, oh, like, I can just let things be the way they are. And you're, like, becoming more aggressive mm-hmm. because you always just let things be the way they yeah, are. Yeah, these are our and two you're... fatal flaws. <laughs> it's like our crossing character You arcs. have severe control issues yeah. and I am a doormat. Right. So it, we're we both just, just trying to like level it, level it out. Like combined, we make a great person. It's true. That's why we're a great team. <laughs> but yeah, we just have to like we're trying to become a net zero yeah. as a group. <laughs> I love that. For it's us. a collective net zero. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that. Okay, 
Are you ready for a mystery? Yeah, I've been trying to like think about what it might be. I don't think you're going to guess. Can I guess? Yeah, of course. Is this a Sumerian king's list? Oh, no, that's oh, a good guess. Okay. I can't try to think of like ancient things. That's on my list, so forget I said <laughs> it. Okay, how ancient? Um, Is this like Georgios? Like first century BC. Is it about Jesus? No. Although, we should probably do one of those too. <laughs> Don't worry, it's on my list. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm done guessing. You're done guessing? You yeah, can ask me for what you need. I'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid to keep guessing because I have a couple ancient mysteries, and if I You're just say gonna them give and them that's away. not it, I'll give it away. Okay. If this is the one I'm going to do next, I'll walk out. Okay. It's not, I don't think. Mm. We'll find out. Okay, what is it? Okay, today we are talking about the lost tomb of the last queen of Egypt, <gasps> Cleopatra. Yes! This is actually mostly just That's Cleopatra. So cool. It's like a little bit about the tomb, but it's mostly just because it's us. So it's and mostly about Cleopatra. We were just talking about the tomb recently. I know. So I'm excited That's to get in there. To that. Yes, yes, yes. I figured this was a good time to do it because they're yeah they're excavating. and then we can do an update yeah when they all get cursed perfect no they're not going to get cursed she would never <laughs> she would never been supporting women <laughs> that's true because it is a, a woman a woman led expedition mm-hmm. okay I'm ready I'm so excited okay first things first what do you know about Cleopatra. I know that we are closer to Cleopatra now than she was to the building of the Great Pyramid very true. Did you know that the I hate that. <laughs> did you know that the Sphinx had undergone a restoration, like a big restoration, a thousand years before Cleopatra was born? I hate that. That's how old the Sphinx is. I hate this. So I'm also going to do an episode on the Sphinx. So don't even worry. Okay, great. <laughs> so first things first. In order to understand where Cleopatra came from, we have to talk a little bit about her family, I as love this. we always do. I'm going to think about this. Like, in my head, I'm going to picture it like a reality show, like a Bravo. Oh, good, because that's how I basically—I wrote this. Like, I was in a mood when I wrote this, and it basically <laughs> is like Bravo. Yes. Um, I actually—I didn't write it down, but I had, like, a comparison. Whatever. I'm sure I'll come to it later. Like a one-to-one of the Kardashians? No, but it was—there's something that happens later that's kind of like—well, actually, I will explain it. Basically— We don't know that much about Cleopatra, and what we do know, a lot of it came from anti-Cleopatra propaganda from her rival. And if it hadn't been— Was her rival a woman? No, it was Octavian, who later became Augustus. But if he hadn't gone on, like, a smear campaign of her, we probably wouldn't really—like, she might be a footnote in history. (laughs) And it reminded me of, like— the Kardashian like it reminds me of like Paris Hilton and like any celebrity whose career was built on a sex tape Yeah, where it's like <laughs> we wouldn't have even have like cared about that person if everyone hadn't tried to like smear their name yeah, and now and they they're like, like ha ha yeah. it's like how like creators on TikTok are like say whatever you want it's engagement yeah exactly that's how, how we she's feel she's like thank you for the smear campaign literally, Octavian literally. it's all engagement I love that for her. So that's, like, why we remember her. Um, Also, we don't know a lot about her because there are, like, very few primary sources. Most of what we know about her comes from Plutarch and Dio, who lived, like, a hundred to multiple hundreds of years after her. So it's, like, all of her – everything we know about her is, like, maybe. How do they know what they're saying? From, like, uh, oral traditions, like, from people, Mm. just from the history, like – there were a few primary accounts, but it's like I think mostly just from copy what people say. Um, so her family. So Alexander the Great had a general named Ptolemy. Ptolemy was a Greek Macedonian man. And when Alexander died, he left Ptolemy and a few other of his like close generals and guys parts of his empire. Long story short, they all fought over it, and Ptolemy ended up consolidating his power in Egypt and basically became the pharaoh of Egypt, and then he built the Library of Alexandria, and he established the Ptolemaic dynasty, which is his line of, you know, like, descendants who were all Macedonian Greek pharaohs of Egypt. Okay. Cleopatra is basically the one of the last of the Ptolemies. So she was... Macedonian Greek. Um, people in the Ptolemaic line... Is that like a tan people? 
Are they uh, brown? She, she was probably like kind of white. That yeah. Okay. Um what I was going to say is they did marry like the Ptolemies did marry people from other cultures, but they also did a lot of incest. And so mm. we believe that she had some like Persian in her line, but we don't actually even know who Cleopatra's mother was. So we don't know for sure, but she was probably light skinned. Mm-hmm. Um the Ptolemaic dynasty lasted from 305 BC to 79 AD. Um, most of the Ptolemaic pharaohs didn't speak Egyptian. This is a big eye roll. Sorry. No, you correct. Can't see it. Oh, it's yeah. Not- <laughs> she was rolling her, eye, her eyes. Um, they lived in Alexandria, which was basically a Greek hub. Like it was built by the Greeks, you know? <laughs> like, well, there was, there. sorry, that's not fair. There was a city there before that, but. The reason that they lived there is because it was multicultural and because that was like where the Greeks, it was a port city. Okay. So the Ptolemies, yeah, they get a big eye roll because they were not Egyptian. They installed themselves as the pharaohs of Egypt and then they didn't even bother to learn Egyptian. (laughs) That drives me nuts. The other thing is, and we'll get to this in a minute, but they all just killed each other constantly. Like there was an ancestor in her, her immediate line who like... The mother and father betrayed each other, and so he had her son, like, killed, dismembered, and sent to her in a box, and they eventually got back together. Like, that's how fucked up these families were. Oh, my God. I am so curious how they got back together. (laughs) I tried to look up that story, and I (laughs) couldn't find it anymore, so I just left it. But mostly for power, I assume. Yeah, that's true. This is the thing. They all just killed each other to be in charge. The Ptolemies. This, here we again run into my inability yeah. to at all understand. Because what happens when you get into power? You get killed. Well, the thing is that most of them were trying to stay in power so they could not get killed. Because if you are an heir to a throne and someone else takes the throne, you're a liability. So they're so going to kill you first. No, Why don't you they, just They did. Like, they tried. I'm going to talk, talk about that. Can you denounce, like, can you be like... I don't want it. Yeah, you can, but you're still going to get killed because Why? you because you're a threat to the throne. Why? Because people, it depends on who you are, but people first of all want to keep you on the throne most Why? of the time because they believe that monarchs were like incarnations of gods. Oh, uh, okay. I get it. <laughs> Cuz in my head I'm like this is the same problem I have with Game of Thrones where like yeah. I understand I you've convinced me that it's good television sure. but fundamentally I just don't understand the struggle for power yeah. when all it does is get you trouble. Well, most monarchies the whole deal is like God made me the king, God made my son the king. That's like their whole deal. And even if you're like I don't want it, I'm just going to go. Um if someone else takes power, the first thing they want to do is have you killed because if you change your mind at some point or the people might be behind you, it's like there's just too, it's too much of a liability to have, like, someone who's ordained by God running around when you're, like, supposed yeah. to be in charge. At this time, <laughs> it was mostly to, like, stay alive because the people every, in charge were the, the only, only ones who have, These like, are the only people who are dismembering each other's children. Like, that we know of. Do you, like, <laughs> can you imagine just being an artisan and being like, what are they doing up there? Yeah, no, we're going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I just was like, this is always I'm not pro-monarchy, but it like this is just the way it was. Everyone think, was like trying to stay alive. and I think that security on a throne, like trying to get a throne so you're safe, is like, it doesn't exist. I mean, it's the only position that people are killing each other to become. It's true, but it was also hard to stay alive at this time. Like if you are in a position of power, you get to have a doctor. You what get to have food. What were those doctors doing? We're going to talk about it. <laughs> Cleopatra's was helping her pick poisons later. That's, That's what they cool. were doing. Okay. I would take the throne to have that. <laughs> so, Cleopatra's dad was named Ptolemy Twelfth. Everyone in the story is named Ptolemy. And when he was in power, he had basically been trying to prevent all these Roman senators from annexing Egypt. And in doing so, he had bankrupted Egypt by giving them bribes and gifts to keep them from annexing Egypt. Why do they do these things? So he had taken out a bunch of loans from Rome. He also, basically, Julius Caesar was stirring up the pot 
It sparked a rebellion. And so he had gone to Julius Caesar to help put down a rebellion in his country, so he owed a big debt to Julius Caesar. When he died, he put in his will that Cleopatra and Ptolemy XIII, her younger brother, would be co-rulers of Egypt. Cleopatra was likely educated at the Library of Alexandria. She was probably one of the first women to do that. She spoke nine languages. She was the first Ptolemaic pharaoh to learn Egyptian and speak Egyptian. (laughs) She believed herself to be, or at least wanted everyone else to believe, that she was a living incarnate of the goddess Isis. There's no credible stone portrait of her that we have. Um, That's weird. Is is that weird? Uh, kind of. We don't know exactly what she looks like. There are coins that she made, which we, like, that's kind of like, okay, that's probably the most, the closest. That's what she wanted to look like. Well, the problem is that the other portraits are what other people wanted her to look like. So it's kind of like. um, But if I was going to (laughs) try. Like, if I was like, this is my legacy, I put my face on a coin. In case I ever do that, that's not what I look okay. like. Okay, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, in the public consciousness, we kind of, like, see her as this beautiful, seductive, yeah. like, creature. That's mostly f- because of anti-Cleopatra propaganda. <laughs> so I love that he tried to take her down and he made her hotter. He did. Um, because he was trying to downplay her intellect by painting her as, like, a seductress. And basically saying, like, she basically seduced all these men, and that's how she got all of her power. But actually, she, the, like, the accounts we have of her, they're like, she wasn't that pretty, but she was super smart. She Her wit was, like, beyond compare. She was, like, very well studied. You know, Did she, she had, seduce a lot of men, though? Uh, a couple men. Because well, I feel like if you are using your wits and, like, brain and whatever to seduce men... <laughs> That's much harder. (laughs) She did. I mean, we'll talk about the men that she was with, but they also remark on her velvety voice. God, I love her so much. But everyone says, like, when you met her, you were instantly charmed by her. But she wasn't, like, necessarily... Basically, all the smear propaganda was, like, she's a siren, basically. Like, she's a succubus. I'm seeing no negatives. Right. So the vibe in the Ptolemaic line was that everyone just killed each other for power. We don't know who Cleopatra's mother was, but Ptolemy XII was married to Cleopatra V, and they had Cleopatra VI, Berenice, Cleopatra VII, Arsinoe, Ptolemy XIII, and Ptolemy XIV. Those were their kids. There's, so are Cleopatra is the seventh? Yeah. And there is actually some debate about whether or not Cleopatra V and VI were the same person. We don't know. So, I'm sorry. I made a face. I didn't make it out loud. <laughs> I'm. That's weird. I know. So when Cleopatra V died, supposedly, Cleopatra VI stepped into her position to, like, co-rule with her father. But then how would they not—why do, do we think they're the same person? We don't know who was the mother of all those kids, and we don't know oh. if maybe she was just, like, someone who got Anne Boleyn or something. Like, <laughs> we don't know. So, and he just called her Cleopatra the fifth. I guess. Copy. Julius Caesar was stirring the pot, so Ptolemy went to Rome to get military aid to suppress this rebellion, right? In the meantime, Berenice, who is the second oldest of the children, killed her older sister, who was ruling. The sixth. Yes. Cleopatra the sixth. While Ptolemy was gone... Berenice had him deposed and named herself Queen of Egypt. God, the women in this family are unmatched. I know. But she had to get married to secure her power because at the time, basically, no one like wanted women to rule without a husband. So she married Seleucus from the Seleucid dynasty of Persia to shore up her power. But she didn't like him and her people didn't like him, so she murdered him. Yes. Then she married another guy who had ties to Rome. Her dad rolled back up with his army and was like, killer. Executes Berenice. So he's back in power. And when he dies, Cleopatra's picking up the torch. He's like, I will my kingdom to was my Was there anyone kids. older than Cleopatra who was still alive? No. Any of his kids? No. She's okay. now the oldest. Oh, because Berenice killed her yeah. older brother? <laughs> her older sister. Older sister. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> 
So they all need to relax. Correct. I think they need like 65-year-old white man on the beach in Belize. I know. They are like the Kardashians. (laughs) It's like if the car like if the Kardashians used knives instead of like (laughs) sidelong glances. Yes, you're right. Instead of like shade. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Cleopatra comes into power at the age of 18. Her brother and co-pharaoh Ptolemy the 13th is 11. I kind of love this. Ptolemaic rulers typically married their siblings, so there's a strong likelihood that they were ceremonially married. Um, apparently, the Greeks hated that the Ptolemaic dynasty did this. Why do they do that? I also hate it. I don't know. It was like the same kind of thing you hear with like European monarchs where it's like keeping the bloodline pure, basically. A lot of incest. Um, but we don't know for sure whether or not Cleopatra and Ptolemy the 13th were married. And we don't think that they had, a, like, any kind of sexual relationship. So we know from an inscription at a temple that Cleopatra was made a regent of Ptolemy the Thirteenth in May of 52 BC. What's a regent? Basically, like, uh, she's ruling for him because he's too young to be in charge. Mm. Wait, why doesn't she just get to be in charge? This is, a, this is her taking more power because they were co-rulers in the will. So she made herself his regent in 52. She's like, I'm going to rule for you because you're too young. (laughs) By 51 BC, the receipts indicate that Cleopatra was basically acting as the sole ruler of Egypt. Okay. Whatever went down there is historically described as a falling out. Didn't go well. Ptolemy the 13th and his remaining allies in the court banish Cleopatra from Alexandria. Do we know how old he was when that happened? Like 12? 12. (laughs) Like 12, yeah. I love that. They start a civil war. Cleopatra's like, yes. He's like, I just want to play Roblox. (laughs) So he has these three fucking advisors we're going to talk about. And they're like adult men. No. Who are like, war. No. So Cleopatra is out in Syria raising an army. Great. Julius Caesar is winning a battle against another Roman general named Pompey who had launched a military campaign against him. How do you spell Pompey? P-O-M-P-E-Y. Okay. And Pompey loses. Pompey had been a patron of Cleopatra's dad. So Pompey was like, okay, I just lost. I'm running away. I'm going to Egypt because those kids owe me one because I gave their dad money. Does he know what's happening in Egypt? He's about to find out. (laughs) So he shows up in Alexandria and he's like, ah, yes, Uncle Pompey's here. Like, (laughs) hello, little Ptolemy. And little Ptolemy's three advisors, Theodotus, who's his tutor, Achilles, who's the captain of the royal, uh, the naval guard, and a eunuch who is also his tutor, who's now parlayed his way into being prime minister named Pothinus. They're like, what are we going to do? Because... If we let Pompey in with Caesar chasing him, Caesar's going to come burn down our town. Yeah. If we don't let Pompey in, he's just going to go side with Cleopatra because he knows that she owes him. We all owe him one. And he's going to help her. He's going to give her money and she's going to help kind of help her in this civil war we're fighting. So the tutor Theodotus is quoted as saying, dead men don't bite. That's pretty good. They tell Pompey, they're like, okay, sure, we're going to come out and chat with you. They board his boat, they stab him, and they cut his head off. (gasps) Julius Caesar shows up a few days later, and he's like, where's that rapscallion Pompey? (laughs) And Ptolemy and company are like, look what we got for you. It's the severed head of your enemy Pompey. And Caesar is like, what? why would you do that? And bursts into tears. He and Pompey, like, had been friends at one time. But they are now, like, fighting for power. But they were not, oh. like, that was not cool, oh, They weren't apparently. enemies. They yeah. were just, like, having a disagreement. Sure. <laughs> He's like, why would you do that? Like, and he orders his men to go find Pompey's body and give him a Roman funeral. Ptolemy's guys are like, our bad. <laughs> Caesar's like, I would like the money that you owe me from your dad. And I will be staying here in the guest rooms of the palace. Ptolemy's like, sure, no problem. Whatever you want. Like, this is not going well. Meanwhile, his advisors, Pothinus and Theodotus, send Achilles to go summon 
their army back from like Syria where they're trying to fight Cleopatra and they're like bring the army back to Alexandria go get the guys because we don't like that Julius Caesar is here Caesar is like you guys are having a dispute about who runs Egypt let me settle it for you (laughs) Ptolemy and his advisors are like who the fuck are you because he's the king of Egypt but Caesar's a Roman general and Egypt at the time is basically like a client state of Rome He's like, bring me Ptolemy and Cleopatra. Well, Cleopatra can't come because Ptolemy's army is still there holding her off. Oh. They haven't come back yet. So Cleopatra's like, I'm coming up with a plan. This is according to Plutarch. She takes one person from her camp, a man named Apollodorus, and they take an eight-day trip up the Nile. Then he rows her into the harbor of Alexandria in the dead of night in a little, like, rowboat. Under the cover of darkness, she, in a lot of stories, it's a carpet, but I think more credibly, it's a big bag. She climbs into a big bag. She pulls a Taylor Swift. What did Taylor Swift do in a bag? She was once taken out of her building in New York in a giant suitcase. Oh, so Taylor Swift pulls a Cleopatra. (laughs) Yes, you're right. So Cleopatra climbs into a big bag. Apollodorus picks it up on his shoulder and just carries it into the palace. (laughs) He walks right into Caesar's rooms and, like, in the more dramatic versions of the story, he just, like, puts it down and she pops out. I love this. So She she, seems so fun. She sneaks back into her own house. (laughs) And she surprises the unsurprisable Julius Caesar. Stacey Schiff, who is one of the main sources for this episode, writes, Retrospectively, the shock appears to have been as much political as personal. The jolt was that generated when in a single shuddering moment... Two civilizations passing in different directions, unexpectedly and momentously touch. I love that. Wait, hold on. So did he carry her in and put her, like, down in front of Caesar? (laughs) That's, like, what the more dramatic versions are. There are some versions where she just walks in, but, like, we think she was smuggled in in a bag and then came out and, like, fixed her crown and, like, walked in there. <laughs> I love that. I have so many questions about, like, what kind of bag was it? Like, uh, did Hemp, it, I believe. Did she look hemp like... Hemp or leather, they said. Did it look like he, like, had a body over his shoulder? I don't think so. Was anyone even there? Like, did they even need to do that? It was Yes, nice. they did need to do that, though, because Cleopatra wasn't allowed. <laughs> so, like, she had to do something. <laughs> um. So Caesar talks to Cleopatra. He knows right away that he's better off aligning himself with Cleopatra than with Ptolemy because A, he's 13. B, he just beheaded a Roman general. Which is a terrible age. (laughs) And B, he just beheaded a Roman general and a former ally of Caesar's, which is not going to go over well in Rome. Mm -hmm. Because like in Rome, it's all fine when like Caesar and Pompey are fighting each other. But when a foreign king beheads a Roman general, the Romans don't like that very much. Yeah. So he immediately aligns himself with Cleopatra. Cleopatra and Caesar are like, what's up? And Ptolemy's like, you're not allowed. (laughs) (laughs) So Caesar's like, I made a decision. You guys need to reconcile. You're going to co-rule Egypt. Ptolemy didn't even know Cleo was there. He's so upset. He bursts into tears. He runs out into the street. He throws a temper tantrum. And he basically starts a riot with his supporters where he's like, This Roman guy thinks he can put Cleopatra in power when I'm the rightful king and his supporters are like, yeah, fuck that. And they all start a riot. Men are so emotional. Correct. Caesar goes out and gives a speech to calm the people down. And he brings Cleopatra and Ptolemy to the Assembly of Alexandria and he reads their father's will. And he's like, see, he wanted you to rule together. And that's the third act of the sitcom where it's like, (laughs) oh, Ptolemy agrees to a reconciliation. At the banquet to celebrate the reconciliation. Oh, no. Caesar learns that Ptolemy's advisors are planning to poison Caesar and murder Cleopatra. So Caesar is like, you want me to kill that guy for you? (laughs) And has Petinus executed. In front of the teen? I don't think so. Like a secret? I don't think it's a secret. I think he's just like, we're not playing that game. And has him killed. (laughs) Keep in mind that Achilles, the military commander, is out there leading the troops back to Alexandria. Oh, I forgot he was still gone. So they show up. They occupy Alexandria. They lay siege to the palace. 
Caesar and his Roman troops fortify the palace and they take Ptolemy the 13th captive because he's 13. So Ptolemy the 13th and Cleopatra. Cleopatra is fighting her brother. But she's She's aligned aligned with with Caesar. Caesar. Okay. And if you listen to like the more dramatic propagandic retellings of it, it's like she showed up, she slept with Caesar and then he was overcome by her sexual wiles and did all of this because of that. I don't really think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. Um, The whole city erupts into battle because now the king is being held captive by the Romans and the Alexandrian troops are occupying the city. And some of them are pro, some of the Alexandrians are pro Cleopatra and some are pro Ptolemy and everyone's anti-Roman. So they're all just like (laughs) fighting in the streets. Do we know like the reasoning behind those two stances? Uh, Cleopatra and Ptolemy. Yeah, I I don't know off the top of my head. It's probably something like some people probably didn't like that Cleopatra was a woman. Some people probably didn't like that Ptolemy was a thirteen year old boy. Uh, Cleopatra, like she made a lot of bold choices. I don't know that she'd made that many bold choices at this point. Like she had really like pretty much right away ingratiated herself to the Egyptian people. Like her first act as pharaoh or co pharaoh was to go. There was this, like, sacred bull, like a living bull, um, and it had died. And her first act was to bring it, like, the new replacement bull to the city where this, like, cult of the bull lives. And she, like, rode it across the desert, like, to them to bring them their... Yeah, she was, like, um, she was, like, the Egyptian people really loved her, uh, but... Alexandrians, I don't know. It's kind of a different vibe, you know? So the Roman soldiers are now fighting the Alexandrian army in the street, and Alexandrian uh, citizens are taking up arms. They're kind of kicking ass. Caesar and his 4,000 troops basically barricade themselves in and around the palace. They're barricaded in there for like six months. We don't know at what point Cleopatra and Caesar's relationship turns sexual, but at some point it turns sexual. And Caesar, of course, has a wife back in Rome. Ugh. Dog. He's also 52 and she's like 21. Listen, I'm not going to shit on that on the basis of age. I'm also not going to shit on I that on the basis like of age. It's just something that. Who knows what <laughs> it's just something that you should be aware of because yeah. he's. You know. Was he cute? Uh, I don't know. Everybody's cute in their own way. Yeah. Everybody's cute to somebody. Yeah. The narrative has always been that Cleopatra, like, seduces Caesar. But we have no primary source for that. And given her age and upbringing, it's likely that she had no sexual experience before she met him. Hmm. So it's kind of like, who's to really to say? Achilles has his men dig these deep wells under the city's water conduits, and he pumps them full of seawater, so suddenly the pa- all the palace water is salt water. That's really smart. I know. <laughs> Caesar's like, fuck. <laughs> so he sends his own men out in the dead of night to dig new wells by the river to get fresh water. Can, can you boil seawater to make it potable? It'll still be salt water. Yeah. Really? You yeah. can't boil the salt out of water? No, wow. not unless you're doing um, the kind. What's it called? Di- it's what starts with desalination. D. No, D- unless you're like distilling it by boiling it and then taking the steam, because then just the salt will be left. Oh, for some reason, and I don't think I've ever been told this explicitly, but I always thought that if you boiled seawater, it just would become water. No, it just becomes salty water. Wow. It just becomes cleaner, salty water. I would not have survived <laughs> on a boat until right now. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad I could fix that for Thank you. Thank you. So meanwhile, Arsinoe, Cleopatra's 17-year-old sister. Oh, my God. I didn't even remember she she's existed. She's just there the what whole time. What has she been doing the whole time? Hanging out. Um, she escapes from the palace. She goes to Achilles, and she's like, let's team up, you and me. She's like, oh. I want to be queen. She's like, I'm a Ptolemy, so I'm in line for the throne. She's like, I'm not a 13-year-old boy. I'm not sleeping with a Roman. I'm like exactly what the Alexandrians want in a queen. Achilles is like, you're so right. And the army crowns her queen of Egypt. (gasps) Can armies do that? Turns out. It's probably like getting married on a boat. (laughs) 
like how you're going to become a captain yes. and marry me. She's like, thank you, Achilles, and goodbye, because my tutor advisor, eunuch Ganymedes, is going to kill you now and take your job as commander of the army. You hate to see it. And Achilles <laughs> is like, fair. It was an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> so her tutor slays Achilles and takes his spot as head of the army. The Alexandrians are like, this fucking family. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> They're all smart. Some of Caesar's reinforcements arrive. A fleet of ships. They bring supplies and artillery, and Caesar is like, burn it down. So they set fire to the Alexandrian fleet. This is likely the first time that the Library of Alexandria catches on fire, but it is not significantly damaged. Caesar makes a naval grab for the Lighthouse of Alexandria, which is also known as the Pharos Lighthouse. It's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's like a 400-foot-tall lighthouse in the Bay of Alexandria. It had been there for like 200 years at this point. Caesar gets control of the lighthouse, but while he's trying to secure the bridge, Alexandrians pop up behind his forces, meaning they're in between Caesar and his men. So Caesar has to jump into the ocean and swim to shore with one arm out of the water because he's holding important documents. <laughs> You love to see someone protecting documents. We love it. Ganymedes tells Caesar, we request the presence of your captive Ptolemy the 13th because we would like to figure out the terms of a truce. Caesar's like, okay. He tells little Ptolemy, he's like, I'm sending you back to your army because I believe in you to negotiate this truce. Is that true? Maybe. Or he was just trying to get him on his side. Ptolemy cries. He's like, your friendship to me means more than anything. He, thank you. He goes to the army. The army's like, psych, we just wanted to get our captive back. We're not calling a truce. Now uh, Arsinoe and Ptolemy are going to rule together. A few more months have gone by. Caesar's, the rest of his reinforcements arrive. Arsinoe and Ptolemy look at Caesar's army and they're just like, fuck. Arsinoe and Ptolemy's troops withdraw back to the Nile. They're like retreating. Ptolemy the 13th tries to flee by boat, capsizes and drowns in the Nile. <gasps> Wait, he's trying to flee back to the palace? He's just trying to get the fuck out of the war. Like, he doesn't want to be at the front lines. He drowns? He drowns. Ganymedes is killed in battle. Theodotus. Whoa, wait, they're dropping like flies. Yeah. Theodotus was, he escaped from the battle, but he was found years later in Asia and executed by none other than Brutus of Etu Brute fame. Ooh. <laughs> Back when he was still loyal to Caesar. Mm -hmm. Caesar wins, obviously, flat out. He has Arsinoe taken prisoner and paraded through the streets of Alexandria in chains as part of a Roman triumph, which was a traditional Roman victory parade. So embarrassing. Caesar's looking around. He's like, wait, people aren't shaming Arsinoe. Like, they feel bad for her? Like, what <laughs> is this feeling? And like a Grinch trying to understand Christmas, instead of executing her at the end, which is the traditional Roman triumph move, which is you parade them through the streets and then you kill them, he spares her life and he exiles her to the temple of Artemis at Ephesus. Cleopatra comes out of the palace. She's like, surprise, I've been pregnant for several months, <gasps> and I'm about to give birth to Julius Caesar's child. Not only his child, but his only child. Oh. <laughs> She's like, I just made the king of kings, because I'm the pharaoh of Egypt, because my brother is dead, my sister is exiled, <laughs> and Caesar, who is like the... He's not the emperor because it doesn't exist at this point, but he's basically running Rome. Oh, my God. She's like king of kings. Caesar makes a proclamation that Cleopatra's queen and that she's now going to co-rule with her youngest 12-year-old brother, Ptolemy the Fourteenth, who's not a threat. <laughs> what was he doing? This is this kind of like time? in Game of Thrones when after What's-His-Face gets murdered and his little brother takes over, but he's just sad and he has to marry Marjorie. It's like that. Like, he's not a threat. Oh, after Joffrey gets murdered? Yeah. Oh, and the little blonde boy yeah. is, like, thrust into power. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> Such a bummer. So, on June 23rd of 47 BC, Cleopatra gives birth to, her, birth to her son. Son. Male heir to Caesar. She names him Caesarian, which it means... It literally couldn't have gone better for her. I know. <laughs> she names him Caesarian, which means little Caesar. Aw. So... 
Cleo is like, she has his name inscribed as Pharaoh Caesar, like on the, the temple for his birth. She's like, this is the son of Caesar. He's Caesar's heir. He's going to be Pharaoh of Egypt. It's a perfect collab. <laughs> Caesar is like, so cute. Great kid. Can you not say that so loud? Because my childless wife in Rome can probably hear you. <gasps> oh, my God. I forgot about her. Calpurnia. He's like, that's my cue. Thanks so much. Been a blast. I gotta go. He leaves to go fight another general who's causing problems for Rome. He leaves three legions of soldiers in Egypt to secure Cleopatra's power. A year later, Cleo is like, we're going to Rome. (laughs) So she and Ptolemy the 14th go to Rome and they stay at Caesar's villa Caesar's Palace. Like, yeah, Caesar's Palace. <laughs> a stone's throw from his house. <laughs> like, Calpurnia is probably, like, looking out the kitchen window, like, <laughs> across the street at her. While she's there, she meets Cicero, who apparently said that he found her arrogant. He, of course he did. He sucks. Her mathematicians help Caesar's mathematicians create the Julian calendar. She's kicking it. Everything's great. And then on March 15th, 44 BC, what the guys happens? are like, we should all just stab Caesar. <laughs> and they do that. Aww, well, a couple of them do. And the other ones stand around, right? So, yeah. Well, they stab Caesar. A bunch of them. Isn't it like only a third of them actually did the stabbing? Probably. I think there were like 28 stab wounds or something. And there were like 60 people there. Yeah. That sounds right. It's like every, no one ever does all the work in a group project. <laughs> Always fucking Hermione. Hermione stabbed Caesar. Yes. <laughs> Hermione stabbed Caesar. So Cleopatra's like, hey guys, this is technically Caesar's heir. <gasps> and they're like, read the room. We just stabbed that guy. And she's like, yeah, so right. We're going to go. Because <laughs> Caesar's will makes his grandnephew Octavian his heir. So Cleo's like, that's my cue. Thanks so much. It's been a blast. We're going to go. Please don't <laughs> kill my son. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Read the fucking room. So she goes home. She has her brother husband poisoned because she wants to basically... The 14th? Yeah. Because she's basically like, I... I want now she has Caesarian. She wants Caesarian to be, she wants him to be the heir to Rome. But if he's not going to be the heir to Rome, he's at least going to be the heir to Egypt, which means she can't have Ptolemy running around having children. She poisons him. Meanwhile, back in Rome, after a civil war because Brutus and Cassius betrayed Caesar, Mark Antony, Caesar's prodigy and fourth cousin, is like friends, Roman countrymen. Friends, Romans, countrymen. A classic. Lend me your ears. After a bunch of fighting and finally negotiating, Mark Antony, Octavian, and this other guy, Lepidus, establish what is known as the Second Triumvirate, which I'm not going to make you learn about. The three of them are now in charge of the Roman Empire, all of Rome's territories, and they're like, we will restore balance to the Republic. Did they? No. <laughs> So the way that they divided up, basically, Mark Antony gets the eastern half of the Roman Empire and Octavian gets the western half. Lepidus gets most of where Rome is, Roman, where Rome is in Africa. He eventually gets pushed out of the deal altogether. <laughs> but we're not there yet. <laughs> Mark Antony has his headquarters in Tarsus, which is modern-day Turkey. He writes Cleopatra several letters. He's like, you should come chat with me. He has a crush on her because he's met her before because she was in Rome. She's been in Rome many times in her life, actually. And he later said that he first fell in love with her when he saw her there when she was there with her dad. But she was like 14 at the time. Oh, okay. So you waited. Right. (laughs) So she's like, he's like, you should come chat with me. She's like, I have to wash my hair. (laughs) He sends her. That's real. (laughs) (laughs) He sends her like many envoys and finally she decides to go. Mostly for strategic reasons. She sails up the river to Tarsus. The way that it's recounted in the dramatic retellings is that she shows up on this lavish pleasure boat. I love it. 
she's literally had set builders build her a set so that she can roll up there like laid out. She's dressed as Aphrodite. Oh, basically. my God. Like a literal goddess. This is how I want to show up to my sweet 16. <laughs> On a, on a, on a, like, what is yeah. it called when they carry you in on, when they, when, when they hire, I know like, what you're talking about. I just don't remember. Abercrombie models, yeah. like, carry those. <laughs> she's got incense wafting. She shows up. She's like, welcome aboard, boys. That is so cool. She hosts Mark Antony and his officers on her boats for two nights. And she's like, can I ask you for, like, one teeny tiny favor? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah. For sure. She's like, can you execute my treacherous sister Arsinoe at the Temple of Ephesus? And he's like, for you, anything. (laughs) If he wanted to, he would. (laughs) So he has her executed at the Temple of Ephesus, which scandalizes Rome because it's a violation of the sanctuary of the temple. Already off to a bad start. Cleo brings Antony back to Egypt. The Alexandrians like his vibe partially because he actually was part of the putting down the rebellion and restoring Ptolemy Twelfth to power back in the day. Mark Antony's having a great time. He and Cleo are falling in love, maybe falling in lust, probably falling in love. They form a club called the Society of Inimitable Livers. And it's basically Ooh. a drinking club slash cult of Dionysus. Why did we not name our podcast that? Huge mistake, because we don't drink anymore. <laughs> like, at we all. We did when we started it. <laughs> yeah, they have this, like, drinking club slash cult of Dionysus. Antony is like, I'm going to restore a bunch of Egypt- former Egyptian territories that Rome has annexed to your control. Because oh. you're my babe. <laughs> babe. She's like, so cute, love. Thanks. Rome is like, what the fuck? Is he allowed to do that? Technically. But they don't like it. (laughs) Because he's in charge of, like, this part of the Roman Empire. Oh, so he just gave, like, his piece of it to her? He gave, yeah, pieces of it to her that were originally, like, like, Cyprus, for example, Um, that Rome had annexed, and it's part of, like, you know, having all these territories is part of the imperialism that, like, quote-unquote gives Rome its power. Right. (laughs) So the Romans were like, can he do that? Like, you can't just give this foreign queen all of our land, even though originally it was not their land. Yeah. But they also gave that part of it to Mark Antony, right? Well, Mark Antony and Octavian... They like split and it. Cassius and Brutus fought a war, and then they were like, "Yeah, Octavian and Mark Antony basically won, and they split it." Yeah, so he can give his portion away. Yeah, they just didn't like it. Right. It yeah. would kind of be like if I'm trying to think of like a modern day example, <laughs> but it would be like if Biden was like, "I'm giving like everything in the Louisiana Purchase back to France," and then they gave it away to Russia. Well, no, because. They, France wasn't the rightful owner of the land in the Louisiana Purchase either. Oh, I see. <laughs> like, That's the second We stole that degree. from the French, but the French had already stolen that from right, the right, indigenous right, people right, that right, lived right, there. Right, right. But like Americans would be mad. Yeah. That's how Romans felt. I don't know if I'd be mad. Not us. Because we also don't like imperialism. But the Romans <laughs> were like, fun. what the fuck? Imperialism? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 2023 vibe I'm bringing in imperialism no <laughs> so in the spring of 40 BC he's like I gotta go to Syria shit's going down I have to go do more Roman general stuff Cleo is like that's fine take these 200 ships babe I love you also take this spy and sends a spy <laughs> to his camp <laughs> By the end of 40 BC, Cleopatra gives birth to twins, a boy and a girl, the children of Mark Antony, and she names them Alexander and Cleopatra. No. And that's where we'll pick back up. In part two. (laughs) What's going to happen with the twins? Mm -hmm. Because does she, what happened to her other kid? Caesarian? Yeah. He's just growing up in her house at this point. Oh. 
Are the twins going to kill him? No. Is he going to kill the twins? No. No, she had a surprisingly strong family bond going on with her kids. <laughs> they ate dinner together every night. <laughs> well, she actually, her one of her kids, she gave him the surname Philadelphus, meaning brother lover, like to, in hopes that they wouldn't kill each other. Um, <laughs> but she has now like definitely cemented her uh, like line because not only does she have the only living direct heir of Julius Caesar, but she now has living boy and girl heirs to Mark Antony, who is like Caesar's replacement, basically. So she's the queen of queens at this moment. I love her. She's fab. She she is fab. She does a lot of murdering, but everybody else was everybody else was doing it. So I don't think she really had a choice, but it was in vogue. It was in it was the style at the time. Yeah, it's like how we all wore culottes in the early two thousands. <laughs> I miss culottes kind of. I know. I miss gaucho pants. That's what I meant. Yeah. Gaucho pants. Wow, I love this. Wow, Cleopatra. She's so cool. So cool. Did she wear the like blunt bangs outfit? outfit. Um, she had curly hair. Oh my god. They erased her curls from mm-hmm. history. I know. Maybe I would wear my hair curly if the white man hadn't erased Cleopatra's curls. Correct. Although in Doctor Who, she does have curly hair. It's Alex Kingston playing nice. her. Nice. She was cool. I love her. She's great. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what's going to happen with the twins. I know. The only problem is Mark Antony also had a wife back home. But Everybody has a wife back home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for Me the next too. part. We'll be back. After these. More podcast. After these weeks. (laughs) Thank you so Um, much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your research. See you soon. (gasps) We don't know. Stay in your lane. Fuck all the buck up. Mm, Non-imperialist smooches. Oh, we love that. Goodbye. Goodbye.